Where did we come from and how did we get here? The way we answer those questions determines nearly everything. Were we designed by a creator God in his image? Or were we cosmic accidents, the mere results of time, chance, and matter? And what does the science actually say? Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. Some of the deepest questions about who we are and our purpose in this world center on the question of origins. Much of the Western world was built upon the Judeo-Christian notion that human beings are created by God in his image. But in 1859, Charles Darwin published his bombshell book entitled On the Origin of the Species. In that book, he established the foundation for the view which he and others built upon, that all species, including humans, evolved through a purely accidental physical process called evolution. And the world has never been the same since. This theory is now mandated as the official view in all public education institutions, and its impact on the world around you has been enormous. On this special program, we'll examine Darwin's theory itself and its tragic effects. Nature documentaries often beautifully present the diversity, majesty, and design within nature, yet they draw a Darwinian conclusion that all of the known universe and life itself came about by random events over time. Darwinian evolution is the idea that uh, the history of life was driven by chaos. After Darwin wrote his book in around 1859, there was this huge ferment and debate among scientists and scholars and theologians. A lot of people actually were not persuaded by Darwin. But over the last 150 years, this worldview has entered mainstream thought and has permeated our culture to the point where no other theory of how all things came to be is allowed to be presented. The Darwinian view is usually promoted in our school system, documentaries, TV shows, and movies as fact. Living things change, but not that fast. Now, a fish, a fish could adapt. It could evolve, but it would take millions and millions of years. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution. We not only lack dominion over nature, we're subordinate to it. We've gotten to the point now where there's been two, three, or four generations of Western thinking that are so captivated by uh, the Darwin theory that they believe the science of Darwinism. The museum displays that are so beautiful uh, present evidence uh, that's actually contrary to Darwinian evolution. But because they're driven by Darwinism, they attribute all this to chaos. As a result of decades of this indoctrination, evolution is just assumed to be fact in most of our society today. And so how do the evolutionists believe everything came into existence? We can cover it in two words. <laughs> okay. Big Bang. 
Done. Done. All right. You know, when you stop and you think about the complexity of the universe and how everything fits together, and now you're going to say there's a big explosion and everything comes perfectly organized. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And it goes against all scientific principle. They take the assumption that we are simply unintended accidents of nature as an absolute fact that no one's allowed to question. But you don't, uh, you don't believe in evolution? No, not really. <laughs> you don't believe in evolution? I don't know. It's just, you know, monkeys, Darwin. You know, it's a, it's a nice story. I just think it's a little too easy. <laughs> too easy? Too... <laughs> The process of every living thing on this planet evolving over millions of years from single-celled organisms is, is too easy? Yeah, I just don't buy it. Uh, excuse me. Evolution is not for you to buy, Phoebe. Evolution is scientific fact, like, like, like the air we breathe. They think, well, it's science, so it has to be true, you know. I don't know any better, so I guess I'll just believe what the scientists tell me. I think Darwin's legacy primarily was the biggest lie that humankind has ever been told that has led us into a view of ourselves that is completely counter to what we know to be true. Today's broadcast is excerpted from the powerful new documentary, Chaos, Darwin's Assault on the Image of God. We'll send you the full-length DVD plus the book Evolution's Fatal Fruit, how Darwin's tree of life brought death to millions as our thanks for your generous gift to this ministry of $50 or more. Contact us today for these valuable and informative resources. Evolutionary thinking cast aside the foundational tenet that human beings were made in the image of God. America's founders rooted our rights in our having been created by God. But those who've rejected the biblical view of creation in favor of an evolutionary view have also quickly tossed aside human rights. Karl Marx wrote to his collaborator, Frederick Engels, in reference to Darwin's On the Origin of Species, quote, this is the book that contains the foundation in natural history for our view, unquote. That view, of course, was communism, which is explicitly based on atheism. And Adolf Hitler relied on evolutionary concepts in his chilling treatise, Mein Kampf. As you're about to see, the toll in human lives taken as a result of Darwin's theory is absolutely staggering. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Psalm 8. Darwin in 1859 when he wrote his Origin of Species already had in mind that man was connected to ape. He didn't believe that man was specially created. So in his book, Descent to Man, which, by the way, a lot of people who criticize these notions about social Darwin, they'll say things like, well, Darwin hardly mentions humans in The Origin of Species, but then he spent a whole book you know, dealing with the humans, and he does apply this 
notion that he does apply natural selection and the struggle for existence to humans. That book by Darwin, published in 1871, was appropriately called The Descent of Man. Man was no longer a little lower than the angels, just a little higher than the apes. One committed Darwinist said, the distance between the lowest so-called human and our highest race is greater than that between the lowest human and the highest ape. That man was Adolf Hitler. Germany was one of the most uh, avid uh, countries to adopt Darwinism among their intellectuals, their biologists. Ernst Haeckel was one of the leading figures in that, and he was, uh, uh, his books were best-selling books in Germany. The support which I receive from Germany is my chief ground for hoping that our views will ultimately prevail. Charles Darwin. The law of selection exists in the world, and the stronger and healthier has received from nature the right to live. Woe to anyone who is weak, who does not stand his ground. He may not expect help from anyone. Adolf Hitler. Hitler was greatly influenced by Darwinianism. The idea that the various, uh, the various races and so forth have come through an evolutionary spiral, and he believed that the Germans were on the top of that spiral. And everybody else was quite expendable, thank you very much, just like in the animal world. Hitler's Mein Kampf repeatedly refers to evolution, though it's sometimes obscured in English versions where the word is often translated development rather than evolution. Darwinism was uh, completely accepted. And what's interesting, if you look at the journals during the Nazi period, the scientific journals, and the there's a, there was a, a, a journal for biology teachers during the Nazi period. If you look at those journals, they just accept Darwinism as being obvious. Hitler's goal in the Holocaust was to eradicate the Jews because he viewed them as subhuman. He ended up killing six million of them, as well as six to 11 million others, including gypsies and Slavs and nonconformist Christians who rejected his attempt to create the master race of pure Aryans. Darwinism was a major contri contributor to the Holocaust. The Holocaust picked races, and those races were supposedly in German philosophy under Hitler, under Nazism, were the undesirables, the weak, Natural selection meant that they would have to select. And so they selected the most fit. And those would work in the, in the fields. The rest would be subject to gas chambers, including children, including women, etc. And who were the very first victims of the mass killings by the Nazis, even before the Jews began to be systematically killed? Many people don't know that things like gas chambers and the uh, shower stalls that were, uh, you know, th that were dressed, that were gas chambers dressed up as shower stalls, were not first used on the Jews. They were first pioneered by uh, the Darwinian doctors and the Nazis uh, in Germany against the disabled. It, it actually got its start with the hand in glove between the Nazis and the German medical community through this euthanasia program of forced killing of the disabled. There is no tolerance in nature. A human is nothing other than a small bacteria or small bacillus in one such planet. The elimination of worthless life is therefore dictated by nature. Adolf Hitler. If you embrace the Darwinian uh, worldview, 
with its view that morality is simply a product of evolution, then there's no objective morality and what Hitler did is no more right nor no more wrong than what anyone else, than what Mother Teresa does or what uh, anyone else would do. The horrors of Nazi Germany are a bleak demonstration of what happens when people decide who should live and who should die in an attempt to, in their view, help evolution along. But if Darwinian evolution is true, by what basis do we call it evil? We're all just accidents of nature headed to our eventual deaths anyway, with no more significance than germs. We've paid a high price, and it's rising every day for this godless view. But is it even true? You may be surprised to discover that Darwin's theory has fatal flaws. Evolution is a scientific theory which holds that life has developed gradually over long periods of time through an unguided, blind process of random mutation and natural selection. Darwin first proposed this theory, which has been modified and refined over the subsequent century and a half. It is considered to be fact among the scientific establishment, but does it best account for the evidence? If you look at almost every major field of biology, there are problems and challenges that are raised against the standard evolutionary paradigm. Indeed, there are massive gaps in evidence that should be present if the Darwinian account of origins is true. For instance, in Darwin's theory, small random gene mutations appear in organisms over time, which confer a survival advantage and are retained and passed down, a process called natural selection. Over millions or even billions of years, Darwin theorized these small changes would multiply and lead to all the variation of biological life we see today. If so, the fossil record would be expected to show very tiny transitional differences over enormous periods of time. But what do the fossils actually show? The fossils do show us something about the history of life. There's no doubt about it. But do they illustrate Darwinian evolution? Actually, they don't. Darwin himself considered the fossil record a big problem for his theory. Because in his theory, uh, each species turns into a new species by very gradual, small steps. The fossil record doesn't show that. Stephen Jay Gould of Harvard, one of the foremost paleontologists in the world before his death in 2002, was an avowed evolutionist. But he once noted, the extreme rarity of transitional forms in the fossil record persists as the trade secret of paleontology. And the fossil record is only one of the problems for Darwin's account of evolution. Another major difficulty is the overwhelming evidence for design in nature. In 1859, when Darwin wrote The Origin of Species, we knew very little about what the cell, the simplest unit of biological life, was made of. So you actually have inside cells an information storage, transmission, and processing system that makes life possible. The complexity of what's going on in the cell, and we don't mean complexity in the sense of randomness or a jumble. We mean integrated complexity. We mean in informational complexity, like sophisticated machinery and digital code that 
that builds that machinery. That's what's going on inside life. And nobody in the 19th century had a, an inkling of any of this. In other words, there is a massive amount of sophisticated, complex information, much like computer code, embedded in the human genome. So how did it get there? Darwinian scientists face a major problem when they try to explain this as the product of random chance and mutation, as neo-Darwinian theory requires. Bill Gates has said that DNA is like a software program, only much more complex than any we've ever written. And that's a really suggestive quotation because we know from our experience that uh, computer code comes from programmers. Uh, it takes a programmer to make a program. It takes a writer to write a paragraph. It takes a scribe to make a, an inscription. It takes uh, a broadcaster to convey information across the radio. So information is, in our experience, always the result of a prior mind, the activity of a prior intelligence. To me, the smoking gun is information in the DNA. Information in DNA, um, and this is, not, this is not something that you have to have a you know, scientific PhD to understand. I think it's pretty common sense that information comes from a mind. You know, when you stop and you think about the complexity of the universe, and how everything fits together. And then you look at something like the second law of thermodynamics, entropy, which says that things naturally move toward disorganization. And now you're gonna say there's a big explosion and everything comes perfectly organized. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And it goes against all scientific principle. As a growing number of scientists are discovering, the holes in the fossil record and the presence of complex programming information in our cells points us inexorably toward God. Design is the most plausible explanation for what we see in life because every aspect of the higher level organization of living systems looks like what you'd expect from an intelligent agent and the opposite of what you'd expect from a blind undirected process. Despite the enormous holes in evolutionary theory, generations of American schoolchildren have only been taught one view of origins, and that is now essentially codified into law. Despite the crumbling of its support in the science lab, evolution is still the only game in town in the public school classroom, and there are powerful lobbies that fight to keep it that way. Tells us that man the famous film Inherit the Wind is a highly fictionalized account of the famous Scopes trial of 1925, in which a teacher was prosecuted for supposedly teaching Darwinian evolution in the classroom and defended by the ACLU. Though the facts of the movie are far from the actual facts of the Scopes case, which itself was something of a publicity stunt, the movie is best remembered for its caricature of the Christian townspeople who only wanted biblical creationism taught in schools. How ironic, then, that it is now Darwin's theory of evolution that is protected by law, with all other views being excluded. I think there's a general problem with our public schools in a lot of different areas. They're really uh, turning education into propaganda, and especially when it comes to the history of science, that they're giving them bad science, and, and not even acquainting students with the debates that have existed and continue to exist in the scientific community on a lot of different things. Certainly, the debate over Darwinian evolution is one of them. 
Naturalistic evolution has been enshrined in the nation's public schools as the only acceptable theory of human origins. It is protected by the courts to such a degree that one judge ruled that a school district in Dover, Pennsylvania could not even inform students that there were scientific challenges to evolution or direct them to critiques of the theory. The Kitzmiller versus Dover case is a lawsuit that took place in central Pennsylvania back in 2004 and 2005 after a small rural school district passed a policy that required teachers to read a very short statement at the beginning of biology class that basically said there's this alternative view called intelligent design and you can read a book about it in the library. Okay, and they had this textbook in the library about intelligent design. That's all it was. It was requiring these teachers to read a short disclaimer and refer students to the library. Well, the ACLU and the Darwin lobby could not stomach this. They could not stomach any favorable mention of ID in the classroom. So they filed a lawsuit and the judge in that case ultimately ruled against intelligent design. Perhaps even more amazingly, while public school students are being disallowed from listening to scientific challenges to evolution, they are also in many cases being presented with demonstrably false evidence for evolution. Biologist Jonathan Wells has written a landmark book on this, Icons of Evolution, which demonstrated how popular science textbooks lied to generations of students using false and debunked evidence. Uh, I covered uh, various icons uh, dealing with the origin of life, with uh, the finches on the Galapagos Islands, with uh, the moths on tree trunks. According to decades of textbooks, when the trees were darkened by industrial pollution, genetics made the moth population darker because they could better avoid predators and survive. Well, it turns out that the story is a lot more complicated than that. Uh, the percentages didn't change the way that they were supposed to. And it came out, finally, by the time I wrote the book, that the photos were staged. The uh, light and dark moths were either glued or pinned to the tree trunks, or they were put in place by the photographer and photographed before they could fly away. Uh, so the, the pictures are basically faked. Darwinism is not really science. It's philosophy masquerading as science. So the public schools, which in my opinion have deteriorated a lot since I went to them years ago, uh, are basically indoctrinating children, not educating them. But this kind of indoctrination is to be expected when God has been eradicated from the public schools entirely. I am old enough to remember when we had, uh, after the Pledge of Allegiance, the Lord's Prayer. Um, so God was in the classroom, and I can remember when the courts threw that out. They threw it out on the basis of the Establishment Clause which was there to preserve the right of states to treat religion as they wished. It was not to get away, or do away with religion in the public space, but to allow that to flourish. Uh, and yet, the Establishment Clause was turned around the Everson case to, to say, well, you know, we can't teach creation in public schools because that's a form of recognizing religion and the state cannot get involved in religion. So that's how they threw God out of the classroom. No prayers in the classroom, uh, no mention of God, no teaching about uh, the Creator in the classroom. No government agent, whether they're a court or anybody else, has any business telling people 
whether their religious beliefs should or should not conflict with some scientific theory. That's a religious question, not for our government to say. The removal of any form of affirmation of God, uh, whether it's a prayer before a football game or a prayer before class, uh, which r really is minimal, uh, the, the removal of the Christian worldview in uh, the various liberal arts and sciences has been far more distressing than the removal of prayer, uh, simply because we're talking about the systematic eradication of a Christian way of thinking. But the result of all of that has been that uh, we now have what C.S. Lewis called a, a race of educated barbarians. Discover the devastating impact of evolutionary theory in the compelling book, Evolution's Fatal Fruit, How Darwin's Tree of Life Brought Death to Millions by Tom DeRosa, which we'll send you as our thanks for your generous donation to the work of this ministry. Tom DeRosa was an atheist and an evolutionist before coming to faith in Jesus. But after searching the evidence for evolution, he discovered he had been taught lies. In Evolution's Fatal Fruit, he exposes the deadly consequences of Darwinism. And if you're able to give a generous gift of $50 or more, we'll send you the book plus our brand new documentary, Chaos, Darwin's Assault on the Image of God. Today's broadcast was just a portion from this full-length expose. This is truth that many don't want you to see, but the history is undeniable. Darwin's theory dismissed God and opened the door to a series of plagues like eugenics, abortion, racism, and the Nazi atrocities of the Holocaust. You'll see it all documented in this powerful new program. Contact us today for these valuable and informative resources. We've now had over a century and a half of the theory of Darwinian evolution, and the results are evident. Whether Darwin intended it or not, advocates of his theory have caused millions of deaths, the destruction of those deemed inferior, the devaluing of human life, and increasing hopelessness and violence among scores of other pathologies. And ironically, Darwin's theory itself is crumbling under the evidence. Indeed, the biblical story is as true now as it was in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. Thank you for joining us for this special program. Make sure to connect with us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And if you're in South Florida, we'd love to have you come worship with us on Sunday morning at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. You can also live stream the service at crpc.tv. Here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. There's one Jewish state the size of New Jersey, the size of El Salvador, but that's too much for the, for the Israel haters. Even that is too much. 
That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.